This is Douglas Gimple, Senior Portfolio Specialist at Diamond Hill Capital Management, and this is Understanding Edge. Today, I'm joined on the podcast by Varun Gupta to discuss his most recent industry perspectives piece, which is available at www.diamond-hill.com. Varun is a research analyst at Diamond Hill with a focus on semiconductors, internet advertising, and healthcare technology. He's a graduate of the State University of New York, the Indian Institute of Technology, and he received his MBA from the Columbia Business School. Prior to Diamond Hill, Varun worked at Advanced Renewable Energy, Tiger Logic Corporation, and Sun Microsystems. COVID continues to keep things in disarray, so we're recording this remotely, as we have been doing for the past couple of years. So as always, I ask for your patience for any sound issues that may arise. Stay safe and stay healthy. And I hope you enjoy my conversation with Varun Gupta as we explore his industry perspective piece titled Network Effect, One of Technology's Most Powerful Forces. Varun, I want to thank you for coming back to the podcast to discuss your industry perspectives piece, which examines the network effect and how it can be beneficial to technology companies. So in your piece, you used Facebook and Instagram as an example of the network effect. So let's follow suit and do that here as well. And so can you walk us through the network effects and its meaning? Sure. Uh, thanks, Doug, uh, for having me back on the podcast. I appreciate it. To answer your question, the network effect is a phenomenon where the value of a product or service increases as more people use it. One of the earliest uh, pieces of literature on this phenomena was actually in the early 1900s when AT&T was the dominant company offering a phone service across the US. And in one of their annual reports at that time, they mentioned the following about the telephone. They said, and it's, it's what they said was a telephone without a connection at the other end of the line is not even a toy or a scientific instrument. It is actually one of the most uh, useless things in the world. And its value actually depends on the connection with the other telephone on the network. And the value increases with the number of uh, telephone connections in, in the network. So ultimately, AT&T's observation in the early 1900s about the power of the network is equally applicable to the products I mentioned in my industry perspective. So products such as Facebook, Instagram, Google search, YouTube, and Microsoft Office, where users derive value from the network they are part of. And unlike a physical asset that typically depreciates over time, a network is an intangible asset that has the potential to appreciate over time as more users join it. So that the network effect is it's a fascinating concept. And, and as I was preparing for this conversation, I was thinking about real world examples where the network effect pushed one company forward and left another one behind. Uh, you mentioned how a successful platform discourages users from departing as it's very difficult for users to switch or leave a network if their friends, contacts, and relatives remain. Uh, this will probably you know date me a little bit, but you know, they got me thinking about MySpace. Uh, which I honestly, I don't even know if it exists anymore uh, in Facebook and, and how divergent their paths have been. So talk to me about how the network effect impacted the battle between those two platforms. 
Sure, it's interesting that you bring the case of MySpace versus Facebook. Several of us have followed this space for a long time. And before Facebook became the dominant social networking website, MySpace was extremely popular. And there were uh, several unique characteristics of the initial uh, Facebook social networking website. First, when it gained traction, it was only available to students in colleges across the US. You actually needed a .edu email to get onto, to sign up for uh, on, the, on, the, on the Facebook website. And Facebook's strategy of restricting the website to colleges was helpful for three reasons. First, it created an, a feeling of exclusivity for the users. Uh, the second thing is that network effects app apps and websites can go viral and suddenly you could have a very large user base join your website or your app and the technology infrastructure backing that app could crumble leading to an extremely poor user experience so by restricting the user base uh, the company uh, such as facebook it can actually increase its technology infrastructure in a, in a planned manner, in a phased manner. So that was the second advantage of uh, Facebook uh, strategy. And the third was that once uh, Facebook figured out its launch strategy for one campus, it could just copy and paste that playbook to other campuses and then many other markets. On the other hand, anyone could join MySpace and the site had a terrible uh, user interface and, a and lousy content. It was not an exclusive network and users were reluctant to share their information on, on MySpace, but okay posting the same content on Facebook at that time. The other thing that happened was that News Corporation acquired MySpace in 2005. And after a few years, the founders who had made MySpace successful left the company. On the other hand, Facebook executed extremely well under uh, Mark Zuckerberg's leadership. Uh, Mark and his team at Facebook implemented an excellent user interface. They had a very reliable website and they had valuable features such as photo tagging, which users liked. So as time passed, more and more users joined Facebook and spent their time connecting on Facebook and the user base of MySpace slowly started to shrink. Which actually brings me to another very critical point about the network effect. As the user, uh, user base shrinks, as it happened in MySpace, it becomes more likely that users will leave as they can no longer find their friends' activities on the network. And this actually leads to further inactivity and causes a vicious uh, downward cycle that continues on and on. Uh, which eventually leads to a uh, collapse of the network, which is what exactly happened to MySpace. We've heard how, how it benefited Facebook. So what are you know, some of the broader benefits from network effects for a firm? There are many benefits for firms that enjoy the network effect competitive advantage. First is the durability of the competitive advantage or more the company has. Once users have formed a critical mass of friends and family on a social network, they have minimal incentive to seek another social network to join. And because of the network effect, 
the product can retain its users and competitors have an almost impossible task of replicating the user base. There are uh, three other benefits I would list for firms enjoying network effects. First, it's, it's an extremely low cost of new customer acquisition. Usually existing users attract or invite other users to join the network. The second benefit is that the firms with network effect can spread their high fixed cost of operations over a large user base, leading to a highly profitable business model with significant incremental profit margins. And then these firms can reinvest these profitable uh, cash flows to strengthen their current network as well as expand to serve adjacent markets. So the company's management has an excellent opportunity to reinvest these profitable cash flows at attractive rates of return, compounding the firm's value. Uh, Facebook is an ex excellent example of this. Uh, Facebook original uh, social networking app was top rated, it was very good. And today it has more than 2 billion users. And Facebook has smartly expanded its original social networking app into a, a Facebook marketplace where users can buy and sell products. There is also a tab on the app where users can watch videos of celebrities or successful TV shows or keep themselves aware of the news within the Facebook app. And with these additional features and products that are bundled in, user retention increases. And as users find more value, they come back to the app more often. So in summary, we can see that network effects are very beneficial to the firms possessing them. The other thing I would point out is that when, you, when we look across all the mega caps in US and China, companies such as Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, Facebook, Alibaba, and Tencent, all these companies benefit from products that have network effects in several of their underlying products which is one of the reasons why they are so successful. So as we've discussed on the podcast many times, the Diamond Hill investment philosophy is one that is rooted in fundamentals when estimating a company's intrinsic value. Given the fluidity of the technology market as innovations come and go quickly, what areas of firms do you focus on when it comes to evaluating the health of products benefiting from the network effects that we've been discussing? That's a great question, Doug. And you're correct that the technology market changes rapidly with innovative technologies coming up that can destroy the economics of an existing successful company. So to evaluate the health of uh, the various network effect products, we actually look at four factors. First, we evaluate the usage of, uh, of the network, how users are either increasing or decreasing we also periodically check if the company is adding new features uh, that users like, making user retention easier. Second, we review the company's customer acquisition method and associated costs. Third, we estimate the product's ability to generate attractive economics while providing a very good utility to all the users and the network participants. And lastly, we also evaluate whether the product has reached its market saturation or it, it still has room to grow. So these are some of the factors we look for. And I'll give you one example. 
uh, when we evaluate uh, Google's search advertising business, we keep track of search query growth each year. We also look at whether Google search has to increase its spending significantly to acquire additional customers to use its search engine. We then evaluate how saturated the digital advertising market is and are there other pools of dollars available for uh, Google search advertising to capture. And lastly, we do a competitive analysis to compare the Google search experience and quality by comparing it with its competitors. And based on our current research, uh, Google, uh, Google search provides an excellent utility for users and offers relevant results when uh, users are seeking for information on the internet. So these are the, some of the factors we look for. In your industry perspectives piece, you cite a couple of examples of usage-based statistics that help in evaluating a company's effectiveness. What are some of those metrics for various companies and how important are those metrics to your overall determination of intrinsic value? That's a very good question, Doug. We keep track of metrics because it helps us understand company-specific risk factors. These risks include whether users are leaving the network, whether the product is reaching market saturation, or if there is some emerging new competitive threat uh, uh, for the company. And we can detect whether the network is growing or shrinking with time by tracking these usage-based statistics. So we constantly track these numbers to ensure that our thesis is still valid. Uh, for that, we act, for example, we track uh, daily active users on Facebook to keep an eye on their user base. For Google search, we um, keep track of periodic management uh, disclosures about how the search query growth is growing uh, on the Google search uh, uh, platform. For YouTube, we look for monthly user base numbers and the number of video minutes watched on YouTube each day. And these statistics help us understand the long-term magnitude and duration of the network advantage and helps us ascertain whether their moat is widening or shrinking. And there is a good correlation between the company's intrinsic value and the statistics. This is because any significant changes to the statistics affect the duration or magnitude of the company's competitive advantage, which directly influences our in estimate of these uh, companies' intrinsic value. So Varun, as we're wrapping up uh, this podcast, just wanted to give you the chance to, to offer up some closing comments and thoughts. Uh, yes, in closing, I would say that the network effect is one of the rarest uh, competitive advantage pattern out there. And it is primarily so because of the rapid technolog technological change we have experienced as a society in the last 25 years uh, with the rise of uh, global internet adoption, the rise of um, cloud computing and the explosive uh, growth and usage of smartphones. And network effect is a crucial factor in this cutthroat competitive world of technology. So whenever we find companies with durable network characteristics, we put them on our watch list and we then patiently wait for market dis dislocations where these companies may become mispriced and we can capitalize on the opportunity to provide value to our clients. Thank you again for joining me on the podcast. I really appreciate you making time during e earnings season. I know it's busy, uh, but for you to come in and discuss your industry perspectives piece, 
available at www.diamond-hill.com. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for having me. This material is for informational purposes and is prepared by Diamond Hill Capital Management. The opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and are subject to change. These opinions are not intended to be a forecast of future events, a guarantee of future results, or investment advice. Reliance upon this information is at the sole discretion of the listener. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal.